Hi there, and welcome to a different way of seeing. Have you ever wondered how a disabled person lives their life? Join our host, Lois Drachen, as she chats to people about work, education, travel, sport, the arts, and leisure, and the tools and techniques they use to live their lives with the disability. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to today's episode of A Different Way of Seeing, a podcast where we talk all things disability. I'm your host, Lois Drachen. Today, we're chatting with Najuan Rawut, who is the chairperson of the South African Blind Youth Organization in the Western Cape in South Africa. Nojuan is also known by her friends as Nuri, so you'll hear both names during our conversation. Nuri, how are you doing today? A very good day, Lois. I am doing very well. And how are you, Lois? I'm good, thank you. I think we should start by just asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you're about. So I'm Nurjohan Raut. I am completely blind for about, wow, 12 years now. Um, my blindness was caused by optic neuritis. I am also um, a lupus warrior. I was diagnosed with lupus 20 years ago. So it's been part of my life and the way I do things. Um, as mentioned, I'm the chief person of the South African Blind Youth Organization in Western Cape that I do voluntarily, which I really love. And then I'm also a front desk receptionist Monday to Friday. And then last but not least, something I'm very passionate about is public speaking. So I'm also an aspired professional speaker. Tell us a little bit about living with lupus. What is it and how does it impact on your life on a day-to-day basis? It literally has an impact on my day-to-day life and how I do things. It has its positives and its negatives. But I try to focus on positives. And when I speak about positives, like I mentioned, I was I became ill at the age of 10. And I was only diagnosed with lupus at the age of 12 because it was technology wasn't as advanced as it is now. So it was a bit difficult to diagnose a 10-year-old with lupus. So um, the negative impacts that it had, it's like I was on medication, chronic medication since a young age, which has changed my body, picked up weight, had to deal with some bullying at school because kids don't understand chronic illness. I didn't even understand a chronic illness at the time. My mother was there and she basically took responsibility for my illness. But as I grew older, I started seeing the positives and um, lupus caused my blindness and my life basically started when I became blind. So I was introduced to a lot of different people, good people. Um, I had a lot of opportunities that came on my path. And um, it also granted me the opportunity to do what I love, which is motivational speaking, by sharing my loved experiences. And then if you look at the negative impacts, 
would probably be on the health side, you know, because one day I'd be okay to get out of bed. The next day I wouldn't be okay. Hospital in and out. I would say that would be the negatives. And also having to explain to people that look at you and say, but you look okay. But then I have to explain, but I look okay, but I don't really feel okay. So, um, like I said, it has its ups and downs, but I prefer to look at the positive aspects that lupus has brought to my life. So, for, for those people who aren't aware of the condition of lupus, what is it actually? Lupus is, um, okay, so I have SLE, systemic lupus erythematosus, which is the common form of lupus um, in South Africa. Um, so it's an autoimmune disease that can basically affect any part of your body or organ. So mine started with my kidneys. I was like extremely swollen, but forgive me, I don't have much memory of how it's impacted me at a young age. Because like I said, my mom was there to take responsibility. But what I do remember is it started with my kidneys because I was extremely swollen. And um, at the time I was um, under the nephrology department. So it was nephrolupus at the time. And as the years went on, it developed into neurolupus. And that's when my eyes started, injuries um, and optic neuritis and stuff like that. So like I said, it's an autoimmune disease. So normally with an autoimmune disease, it's basically when your immune system attacks your body. So your immune system isn't sure what to do. Where your immune system is supposed to protect your body from viruses and infections and stuff like that. That's basically attacking your body. So that is with lupus. You get different types of autoimmune diseases, but with lupus, like I said, it can basically affect any organ or any part of your body. When you get specific um, autoimmune diseases that will only affect one part of your body, lupus is like an all-rounder, if I can call it that. Thank you for, for defining that for us a little more clearly. I think that will give people a really good understanding of your lived experience. Now, you mentioned that you work Monday to Friday as a, a receptionist, a front desk receptionist. What job preparedness did you do and how did you actually find that employment? Quite a funny story, I love. I didn't do any job. <laughs> I did not do any job preparedness for the specific role. Um, simply because I never thought that I would see myself as a receptionist, honestly speaking, because I studied public relations. I have a diploma in public relations. So I saw myself working in the PR and marketing department of a big corporate company. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. I also knew that you can't come straight out of tertiary education and fall into a top position we need to start at entry level hence the reason I took the job as a receptionist but honestly speaking I never really had any job preparedness I just went into into it like you know into the unknown just like into the deep end and I basically just found felt my way through and did someone work with you to help to find the job and to help with the interview process how did that come about? No, um, what actually happened was my previous boss, that we call it my ex-boss, before studying, I worked at a call center. And 
I resigned to go study. And then he cracked a joke when I resigned and he said to me, once you have your qualification in PR, you can come back and work for my company, which is the current company I'm working for. It's a universal food co- food corporation, sorry. Um, it's a big bakery that manufactures bread and biscuits and all those things. So then he told me that it was a joke, apparently. So when I was done with my studies and um, I worked one year at the NPO doing an internship, and after that I was unemployed, and it was in COVID time. And then I received a call from my ex-boss, but he was asking me for a contact. And then I told him, just so by the way, I am unemployed and I am looking for work. And you told me about three years ago, when I'm done with my studies, I can work at your company. Is the offer still there? And that is where it all started. <laughs> and then he was like, did I say that? I'm like, yes, you said that. And then he told me, okay, I will get back to you. And then I think about two days later, they called me to come in for an interview. And that's where it all started. Tell me about what you had to do, how you worked to help your work colleagues adjust to your blindness. Was that an easy thing to do? Were they open-minded and receptive? Or have you had to really work to build that acceptance amongst your colleagues? Um, it's an ongoing process. I must say it hasn't been that easy. Um, like, for example, even at the interview, I was asked some odd questions. But then again, I told myself, as a blind person, it is my responsibility to educate others. I can't always expect everyone to know what what I need and what my capabilities are, even though I got a bit frustrated, but I also had to bite my tongue and say, you know what, Um, if someone is not in your situation, they're not going to bother finding out. So it was my responsibility to educate them. So what I started with, was because they were concerned, how am I going to get around, like, for example, get to the bathroom and stuff like that. They basically wanted to assign somebody to me to take me to the bathroom. And then I said, no, but that is not necessary. I'll be able to if I'm just shown where the bathroom is. So they weren't aware of um, mobility trainers and organizations that there's mobility trainers that can come out to the workplace and do the mobility and the sensitization. They weren't aware of that. So I made them aware. I gave them the contact details. I even told them that I can contact the mobility trainer myself. And that's what I did. The mobility trainer came out. He gave me mobility, showed me, okay, this is your workspace. This is the bathroom. And basically where I needed to be. Because I'm working in the admin department, but it's also at the factory. There's only certain spaces that I'm okay to walk on my own because it could be a bit dangerous for me to walk in the factory and stuff like that. But I'm not needed to walk there. I only need to be in the front at the admin department. So I started by getting the mobility trainer. And even now, um, there are still times when the other funny question they asked me was like, should we get a sign to say that you are blind? And then I told them no, 
that's not necessary. I'm sure I'll be able to communicate with the people if they should ask, but I don't think it's necessary. And they also asked me, should they get a bell? You know, so there's still a lot of questions that I'm being asked, but I'm working there now for three years and they've become quite receptive and open-minded and they can see that I've got that independence about me. So sometimes I actually tell myself, you know, I shouldn't have showed them how independent I am because now the help that I'm getting is quite limited. So, yeah, no, they, they, it's been a challenge, but whenever this new staff starting to work, like, for example, the new cleaning lady, she didn't know about the clock system, you know, when you navigate, when you're telling a blind person, okay, your coffee is at 12 o'clock, your, your biscuits is at 3 o'clock. So I taught her that the other day. So with new people starting there and people resigning, then it's always up to me to educate them. And I really don't mind. I really love educating people and advocating for the rights of visually impaired and blind people. In terms of your advocacy work, part of the work that you also do is as a volunteer leader in the South African Blind Youth Organization. Tell us a little bit about the organization and about the work you do and why you feel it's important? Um, so, like mentioned, I'm the chairperson of the South African Blind Youth Organization here in Western Cape. Um, the South African Blind Youth Organization, also known as SABIO, is the youth wing of the South African National Council for the Blind. And we have the national structure, which is nine um, branches, a, a branch in each province. And what we do is um, advocacy, raising awareness, and youth empowerment for visually impaired and blind youth. So it would be seeking employment opportunities, seeking study opportunities, connecting them with the right people, and encouraging visually impaired and blind youth to be the best versions of themselves. So like I mentioned, we have a branch in each province. Um, we would normally have our national meetings twice a year in Pretoria at the SNCB, which is South Africa National Council for the Blind Head Office. And um, as a chairperson, we have a four-year term. So we would have members and our members would be aged between 14 and 35. So we would even go out to the special schools that has visually impaired and blind youth and go and speak to them about Sabio. We would arrange um, youth camps and, and um, involve them in projects just to give them that bit of guidance because as a visually impaired and blind um, young person, life can get quite challenging, especially if you weren't born blind and you have to go through the transition the way I did from being sighted, coming from mainstream, going into the so-called special school. You know, it, it becomes challenging because now you don't know what you'll be able to do. You had all those hopes and dreams. And now you think, I'm blind. What can I do now? Because a lot of people think once you become blind, then your life is over. And it's important for, for young people to understand that even though you have a disability, life still goes on. There are other things that you can do as a blind or visually impaired person. So that is basically where Sabio comes in. And the work that you're doing, why why do you feel that it's important? You've mentioned the importance of, of teaching people about the opportunities that are open to them. 
is that work that you find is of value? Definitely, it is. I I like to use my story as an example because a lot of people look at me and say, "Wow, Nuri, um, maybe think that I'm privileged to a certain extent." Or they'll always tell me you're so strong and that. But just the other day, I had a discussion with my husband and I told him, you know, people don't realize that where I am right now came with hard work and perseverance. And the youth is basically our future leaders. So if we're not going to be motivated from a young age, then, you know, you can fall off the wagon. So I feel it's very important, especially for youth with disabilities, to always stay motivated and always encourage them. And that is what I try to do. I use my story. I tell them each person's journey is different. And I tell them the journey that I went through. And I tell them that it's an ongoing journey because I'm still not where I want to be. Um, even though, yes, uh, I am employed full time, but I'm still seeking more opportunities because also what I picked up with a lot of blind youth is like once they're in the job then they become complacent i'm okay where i am i'm earning an income it was hard enough to find this job i'm not gonna seek for better opportunities and i feel it's important to always seek for greater opportunities and not become complacent because once you become complacent that is also where people can take advantage of you that is just my personal opinion so i feel that it's it is important what I'm doing. That is why I'm always constantly reminding them, like, look, you are capable of doing great things. Don't forget that. Everyone is born with a passion, with a talent. So try to find your passion and make it work for you. Now, you're also taking that message, that advocacy work beyond the blindness sector and working to build a career as a professional speaker. What are you hoping to achieve by sharing your story beyond the sector? My main goal would be to raise awareness because I feel that there is a serious lack of awareness. And like you mentioned, beyond the blind sector, because what I've done so far um, I'm part of the Lupus Warriors um, support group. And in the support group, I'm the only blind one. So I've even started doing awareness there about um, blindness because it can happen to anyone. And um, I would like to go out even more so into the corporate sector because my my goal, which I'm really hoping could happen, is for especially the corporate sector, to just give visually impaired and blind people, especially youth, the opportunity and to prove themselves. Because what I've also picked up is like, just when they see you are blind, then we're not even going to give you the opportunity. So I would like to put the message out there to raise awareness that, look, yes, I am blind, but before I am blind, I am a person. So look at me the way you look at my ID. On my ID, you're going to see Nurjawan Raud with my ID number, not Nurjawan Raud blind and my ID number. So please look at me that way. And that is the message I would like to share, that people should look beyond my disability 
or anyone's disability, as a matter of fact, whether it be blindness or paralysis or anything, just look beyond your disability. If people would like to reach out to you, either to find out more about your story or to find out more about the South African Blind Youth Organization, how can they reach you? They can reach me on Facebook. It's Nurchawan Raud on Facebook or on LinkedIn, also Nurchawan Raud. Or they could also email me um, at nurchawanm at gmail.com, but I will share that detail with you, Lois. I will add those details, the links directly into the show notes. Thank you. What advice would you have for other young people living with a disability? Wow, I think I've given most of the advice in the interview. (laughs) But I would say always don't let your, your disability hold you back, even though I know it's not easy. I speak of experience. But remember that you are more than your disability. Your disability can work for you. It can be a positive. Use it to be a positive in your life and don't use it as a crutch. So always try to be the best version of yourself, no matter what obstacles you might feel here, might be faced with, sorry. Always try to be the best version of yourself. I know it's not always easy, but always just push on and push on and push on because you never know who you might inspire with your story. Wise words. And as a final question, what is next for Najuan Raoult? I'm all over the place, Lois, but what is next for me? Um, I'm still doing my Monday to Friday, which I do love, but I would like to focus more on my professional speaking, hopefully turn it into a speaking business, not only focusing on disability, but being able to speak on other topics and on, on a bigger platform, on an international platform. So I would really like to focus more on my, my professional speaking. And we wish you luck with that as you head into the future. Thank you for chatting to us today, Nuri. It's been really great to learn a little bit more about your journey and your experiences as a member of the blind youth in South Africa and a leader in that field. So thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Lois. And it was only a pleasure to share my story. Thank you. Thank you for listening to A Different Way of Seeing. We would love to connect with you. So find Lois at loistrachen.com or Facebook, Lois Strachan Speaker. This podcast was edited by Craig Strachan using Hindenburg Pro. Hindenburg, it's all about the story. The credits are done at Naledi Media. Naledi Media, all your vocal needs under one roof. Read by Charlie Yassi. That's it for now. Thank you for joining us and see you next time when we bring you into the world of seeing differently.